Hello, me popsicles. Why don't you grab your multipass, a drink, and come sit with us? Let's pick each other's brain. We want you to be part of our intimate conversation about science fiction topics. Let's do this. Join us and let's talk about science fiction topics and books, movies, TV shows, and games. At Science Fiction Remnant, you are invited to listen in. Listen now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget your multipass. Attention, Mr. and Mrs. America, and all the ships at sea. You're about to embark in a discussion of epic proportions, serials, and their influence on our most beloved movies. What's a serial? We're glad you asked. Remember the radio dramas and old TV shows of yesteryear? These shows had you coming back week after week for new adventure. These adventures were serialized and came in all forms. Modern films like Indiana Jones, J.J. Abrams' Super 8, and even that one series that happened a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, are inspired by old serials. Let's put on some sunscreen, and if you can hand me that blaster, it's time to dive deep into the legacy of the serial. This podcast is a member of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts and content creators, visit bio.link slash red5. What's up, Scuttlebutt Nation? Glad you're joining us this week. You're in for a treat. We fans have heard the stories of where some of our favorite directors get their inspiration. Directors like George Lucas, Joe Johnston, movies like The Rocketeer, Indiana Jones, Goonies, and the list goes on. Where do they get their nostalgic inspiration? Well, we're going to talk about that today. Cut to the serials of the 20s, 30s, and so forth. Join Shanti and me along with our wonderful patron, Melanie, as we discuss The Legacy of the serials. What's up, everybody? Thank you for joining us tonight on a, uh, you know, I always want to say a special Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast, but they're all special. Whenever we have yeah. friends over, it's, they're, they're all special, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Shanti, how you doing? I'm doing really good. I'm on a high today. I don't know why. Excellent, excellent. Work around the house, so <laughs> I feel accomplished for, sh- for sure. And earlier today, I I know I posted that we were excited to record with a friend tonight, and uh, here we are. We got Melanie back for uh, another discussion. Melanie, what's up? Yay! I'm glad to be here. Yay! Excellent. We're glad that you are here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, um, Shanti, what's your favorite cereal? Little Orphan Annie. <laughs> <laughs> I like Captain Crunch myself and a little bit of Cocoa Puffs, which I just had. But um, that's right. We're talking about uh, not that kind of cereal. Um, Melanie, I want to um, I want to preface this by saying that uh, Shanti and I were racking our brains to try and find uh, another topic to have you back because we really, really enjoyed um, our episode with you with the black hole. Oh, and yeah. um, I'm sure – 
I'm hoping that if you are listening to us for the first time, go back and check out that episode um, that we had with you. And it was a very great discussion. I loved it. I enjoyed it. And I hope I hope you did, too. But I hope our listeners did as well. It was. That was a lot of fun because I love that movie and I thought nobody else knew about it. (laughs) Absolutely. You never know. I listened to it twice. (laughs) Wow. I loved it. I really, really did. Yeah. Yeah. And well, Shanti's one of the people that didn't know it existed. So kudos to Melanie for uh, coming on and uh, sharing uh, your wealth of knowledge of uh, of that movie. I, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I I've always enjoyed that movie, and I've always enjoyed um, you know the the actors. And obviously, we talked about that. But uh, yeah, everybody, go take a listen. Check out our back catalog. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But tonight, so yeah, we like I said, we were racking our brains to try to figure out how can we get Melanie back? Can we just get Melanie back? Let's bring Melanie back. Let's just come, <laughs> just come on, Melanie. So yeah. one, one uh, and obviously one of the things that we notice when you post stuff um, on your Twitter account is all the uh, wonderful knowledge and, and, and the wonderful takes you have on, on classic Hollywood and old movies and actors mm-hmm. and, and things like that, which, um, which I find find uh, really, really cool. And, um, you know, one of the things that we like to talk about as a podcast is obviously our, our love for Star Wars, but there's another, there's another um, Lucasfilm property that we also love. And we've obviously talked about um, Indiana Jones and, and Raiders of the Lost Ark and those movies with other friends, but they are or have been inspired, um, according to George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, by the old serials of, of Hollywood. And I wanted to uh, kind of talk a little bit about that and and relate um, that genre of old films to obviously our, our love for Raiders of the Lost Ark and the character of Indiana Jones. But I really did want to discuss, you know, old serials because as I have in the notes, Shanti was a fetus. When old serials were, I don't even think you were a fetus. You were like a zygote or something. My <laughs> parents are probably a fetus too. <laughs> that's true. Okay. Yeah. Well like said. That's, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. But absolutely. Mm-hmm. Old, old serials. If you watch, um, you know, some old Hollywood reels, uh, black and white movies, uh, TV shows, but um, we will definitely get into that. Um, so, Again, I have in the notes the term serials refers to a set of stories or plays that appear in regular installment on either television, radio, or other media. And for many uh, that lived the age, uh, folks were treated to westerns and adventure stories on television, uh, shows like Lost in Space, Flash Gordon, and uh, Tarzan. What is it about uh, serials uh, from yesteryear, Melanie, that uh, that gets you excited? And I know you get excited about a lot of stuff from yesteryear, which is yeah. awesome. We talked a little bit about that, you know, your, your introduction to uh, to all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but tell us a little bit about um, your love for all this old stuff. Well, uh, like we talked about in the Black Hole episode, uh, my dad had a lot to do with it because my dad was an older dad so he actually grew up during the depression so all of this stuff was his media so he got to see his comic book heroes become screen heroes 
right? And his big thing was adventure films and sci-fi. And he loved Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers. That was his thing. That was his favorite thing. So he in turn handed my sister and I all of these, he'd get these big omnibus coffee table Flash Gordon comics. So that was the first time that we knew about Flash Gordon was that way. And then he showed us the serials and then took us to the Flash Gordon redo with Sam Jones. Yeah. Which is a lot of fun. (laughs) Well, it has a great soundtrack. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. It does have a great soundtrack. Yeah. Um, Bless your dad. (laughs) I don't know. He was a lot of fun, but, um, and he, he listened to all that on the radio too. And, um, and I was actually, I was telling Ro the other day that um, he had a, he grew up in North Carolina, so he had a pretty heavy accent and got rid of it listening to radio dramas. That's funny. Specifically Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater. He patterned his speech after Orson Welles to get rid of it. (laughs) And he did. That's cool. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it was neat. Yeah, absolutely. I I remember, um, I think was it in college? I used to have a job and driving home late at night, I remember um, our local PBS station here in Chicago um, was running uh, a old radio broadcast. And I remember listening to The Shadow driving home, Mm -hmm. um, which was really cool. And uh, I know, you know, you go to bookstores and you see the, you know, the the audio tapes and the CDs of, of some of these old shows. Um, but Shanti, I know, you know, we talked about how the, you didn't know that the black hole existed, but what is your, um, your experience with a lot of these old serials? And I know, you know, I sent you, I sent you the notes, but what, what has been your experience with some of these old, um, movies and TV shows and stuff like that? So like with our previous pirates episode with Andrew and Andy, this is going to be one of those episodes where I'm going to be the learner. So really, the extent of my knowledge, I know I made the joke early, but literally is like Little Orphan Annie, War of the Worlds. Sure. You know, like that's really what I know is War of the Worlds because I know people really freaked out when they first heard it, thinking that there was an actual alien invasion coming to Earth, not realizing that this is nothing more than a radio program, essentially. And my other knowledge is actually, believe it or not, from watching A Christmas Story because that movie is set in the late 30s, early 40s. And you see Ralphie and his kid brother, you know, laying on the floor on the carpet, looking up the radio and listening to whatever, you know, show or serial that they were listening to and things like that. So that's really like the extent of my knowledge. So I'm here to learn from you guys, <laughs> Melanie especially. To absorb <laughs> How yes. wild is that? You, um, Melanie, you had mentioned Orson Welles, but you know, Shanti, War of the Worlds. I mean, how wild mm-hmm. is it to believe that you catch this broadcast on radio and you think aliens are invading? That is wicked wild. Mm-hmm. Can you Scary imagine? <laughs> no, I cannot. What's even more fun is if you go back, and this is actually on YouTube, you can watch Orson Welles' press conference the day after. Which is hilarious. Oops, sorry, like, we had no idea. <laughs> you got punked. <laughs> Clearly, we we didn't know. Yeah, you know, we had no idea. You know, we were very careful to say it was a radio drama, of course. You know, and it's wonderful because you don't believe yeah. it for a minute. 
Right. And he's sort of relishing it <laughs> the day after. <laughs> I would imagine. And yeah. it's yeah, but it's it's a great piece of film. That is uh, definitely a viral event before that word was even coined. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just can't imagine like just tuning in and 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 thinking that like, my God. Um, I mean, it 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 harkens, uh, you know, an age of innocence. Um, you know, we were talking about um, again in the notes, uh, you had Penny Cinema and uh, a backyard of play and imagination through mm-hmm. larger adventures on on the big screen and obviously we're talking about radio as well but it, it really encompassed all media you had you know comic strips and newspapers and and you know comic books in general uh, but the radio dramas were, were really exciting for the time it was new you know radio was new um, families were, you know, gathered, uh, Thursday nights around, well, I say Thursday nights because I work at NBC and that was like the big, like, you <laughs> know, comedy night. you know, yeah, comedy night on Thursdays. Mm-hmm. I don't know when, I don't know when people in the twenties and thirties, uh, gathered around their radio, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's interesting, you know, families gathered around the radio and, and listened to these shows and, and, uh, enjoyed them. Uh, kids dreamed and, they, uh, you know, they inspired a, a generation, which we'll get into for sure. So you're just fix-it men, are you? With a powerful radio hidden in a panel truck? Well, we're just radio enthusiasts like you. A while ago, I had uh, posted a question. If you were able to time travel back in time, you know, where would you go and why? Um... I think in retrospect, I would really love to go kind of back to that era um, and uh, just experience like what people were thinking, uh, how people reacted to to media in general. Because obviously, like I said, there was no television, there was no internet, there was nothing. Uh, radio was, I guess, the the, the first uh, foray into just mass media. Um, and it's just uh, an interesting time in, in our history. It holds up. You know, and they, yeah. the radio dramas yeah. hold up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. I was listening to Suspense yesterday because that's one of my favorites. And it's more of an anthology than a serial, but it's uh, very much like Night Gallery and that sort of thing. And one of the best things about Suspense is that they cast the actors against type. So you have like Ozzie and Harriet playing these cold blooded killers and. Right. <laughs> Gene Kelly um, working the black market, and they and they liked <laughs> it awesome. because they never got those parts in the movies, but they could do it in radio. It's uh, fun for actors, you know, to kind of branch out. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of actors that uh, you know get typecast and they just kind of get burned out. Um, but absolutely, and you know, some of these radio dramas, uh, you had full studios that uh, there was no editing involved. Everything had to do, everything had had to be live. So you had a team of uh, people behind the scenes, you know, doing sound effects and and everything. And you know, the, for sometimes movies were still done that, but you get uh, you know people with uh, plastic wrap, you know, crinkling it, so it's like fire or, or you know just mm-hmm. clip clop clip clop horse so so it's a lot of fun you know again just yeah. going back in time it, it would be really great to to kind of uh, do that i've got nothing against your friends i like your friends now things have obviously changed for us i have to help charles finish his movie be good for you to spend some time with kids who don't run around with cameras and monster makeup 
Uh, could you close your eyes, please? Yeah. I am reminded of the J.J. Abrams movie Super 8 and how it was kind of a homage to the creativity of young filmmakers back in the day. And, um, you know, you, you had a cast, uh, a young cast, including Ella Fanning and a few others that gave us a, a nostalgic look of, of how serials of, of yesteryear. And this is this really reminded me because I watched it the other day. And if you haven't seen it, I mean, it totally reminds me of Stranger Things. Um with uh, just, uh, you know, produced by Steven Spielberg, obviously, J.J. Abrams directed, but it's uh, it really is a kind of a slice of pop culture, especially in the 80s. Um, again, um, inspired uh, film that uh, that now that our people are watching Stranger Things, you know, um, it's it's kind of cool. Um, I think, uh, you know, Melanie, you and I have a, a, a fond uh, connection to the 80s for various reasons, but um, hashtag Duran Duran. Exactly. Yeah. Duran Duran. Duran And um, <laughs> yeah, so it's it's you know it's really cool, and you know whatever era I guess you uh, that that really connects you, um, I think it works on on various levels. Melanie, you had mentioned how uh, these old serials, especially on the radio, they still hold up. And I wanted to I wanted to get your your quick take on that, and you too, Shanti. But I think one of the things that for me, um, when I remember listening to them on uh, again on the way home after work late at night, was really just the the stories. They were just intriguing and captivating, mm -hmm. um, et cetera, et cetera. What what do you think? I think it's the story that really draw that draws you in. The episode I listened to yesterday was called "The Hitchhiker." That was an Orson Welles episode of Suspense that he had done also for the Mercury Theater. But you just sort of fall into the story. You know, this man's leaving his home and he's going to drive to California. And it's a ghost story, essentially. But I mean, you're, I mean, it's 20 minutes or so. You know, but you're completely pulled into that world. You know, you're on this road trip with him and he's pulling into a gas station and they have all these sound effects. And you're really it really is a theater of the mind because you really do get pulled into it. It's it's very a, a very sensory experience for something that you would think would be limited. Six days ago, I left Brooklyn to drive to California. And they really weren't limited because, you know, they could be anywhere. Sure. They didn't have to go on location, but they could still be in London or Paris or Tokyo. And just be, you know, like, like Rose said, in the NBC studio, doing yeah. a radio play. Theater of the mind, that's a mm -hmm. perfect, uh, perfect description. They could really be anywhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you believed and it. Thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why I like it promotes creativity in your own mind because you don't have the visual as aspect of it. You're, it's all in your – so it's almost the same as reading a book. You know, you don't have the yeah. visual. You have to come up with the scenery mm -hmm. in your own mind. And I actually have a really good story. I mean, speaking of War of the Worlds, 
you could say that podcasts these days are the modern day serials, you know, because wow. there was one that I listened to when I first got into listening to podcasts that was called The Black Tapes. And it was kind of like that. It was a serial in a sense where it was about a woman who meets up with this doctor who doesn't believe in the supernatural and he has these specific black tapes that are of these supernatural occurrences that he just could never explain and she's trying to dig into what all these black tapes mean and how do they connect to each other and it was just very ghostly and I would listen to it in my car and sometimes it would literally freak me out and they would do their own sound effects as well and mind you this is a modern day podcast but it played very much the same as if I were sitting on the floor listening to my radio and it was the exact same effect and I would picture in my mind that she's walking around Seattle and in all these different houses and trying to explain these little phenomenons and it was a really really great show it only lasted about two or three seasons and they left you specifically on a cliffhanger like as if she got trapped into all this and it was fantastic and I got a lot of satisfaction out of listening to it versus having the visual and just creating the set in my mind. It was wonderful. I loved it. Very it cool. Really, it Very focuses cool. the story for sure. It doesn't. It makes you feel like you're part of the story. Exactly. More concise, more substance. Ahead of me stretch a thousand miles of empty mesa. Mountains. Prairies. Desert. Somewhere among them, he's waiting for me. Somewhere I shall know who he is and who I am. I wanted to ask you guys, um, so these serials that we're talking about, they have a special place in the lexicon of moviegoers as an audience. Um, especially older fans um, like myself, we we love them. You know, obviously, I, I read a lot about um, because I am a Star Wars fan. You know, by osmosis, I read a lot of stuff about George Lucas and some of the filmmakers from his era. Um, Steven Spielberg obviously is a big influence. Um, uh, Francis Ford Coppola, uh, so just filmmakers like of that era. But I wanted to ask you guys. Um, younger audiences today don't seem to make the connection between the inspiration that these new movies have to some of the older stuff. And I know we, you know, we just said that Shanti, you didn't know about the, the serials. You're here to learn about these, uh, the, or this genre really, um, right. But it, it's it's one of those things that definitely inspires it. We mentioned, obviously, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and we've got all sorts of movies that um, sprung up from the inspiration of these serials, these adventures. Um, obviously, Star Wars, you know, we say Indiana Jones. Um, but I was doing a lot of the the research for the notes, and I, I'm, I'm looking at this, you know, I, I'm going like way back to the 20s and stuff like that. And you've got um, – you know, Flash Gordon and Tarzan and Dick Tracy and uh, Melanie, you had uh, brought in some some new ones, too, as well. I mean, even Batman and Robin um, mm -hmm. and things like that. Things that like for me, I didn't realize that Batman and Robin had um, had its roots so far back, even from media 
um, more than just the comic books. So it's interesting. What do you guys think about audiences today? Are, are we making that connection? And I know I mentioned Stranger Things, and I know there's a lot of references to the 80s, but even further than that, do you do you guys think that audiences today are, are making a connection between this genre that we're talking about? Not unless they actually specifically read into it. Like I would like, I mean, I knew what serials were. I mean, when you proposed this to me, I was like, oh, that's a great idea. Am I well versed on it? No. I knew that George Lucas got, was inspired by Flash Gordon as that, but I was also, I'm on that cusp, you know, of millennials where I was exposed to so much of the past between my parents and having the luck of all four of my grandparents being alive during my childhood and learning all of this stuff and watching a lot of old Disney. Like I watched the old Zorro Disney show when I was a mm. kid, the black one. I loved it. I used to watch it all the time. But for some reason, this current generation has completely shut the door to the past. And I don't know if it's just because they want to feel like they're being more forward thinking, but you're not going to know where you're going unless you know where you came from kind of thing. And I do kind of put that a little bit on the parents because I would only have known the things that I had known if it weren't for my family exposing me to this thing, you know, to these things. I don't know if I would have ever have voluntarily gotten into this stuff myself. So I don't know. I've always said these kinds of interests kind of start in the home. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's also a question of uh, platforms, too, because there's so much to choose from. Right. And there's not a lot of classic cinema on platforms. You can find some things on YouTube. There's a lot of serials on YouTube if if, mm -hmm. if you want to seek them out, but you have to know the, about them to go looking. But mm -hmm. when I was growing up, a lot of classic films were on in the afternoon mm -hmm. after school. So I could watch them at four o'clock because we only had three channels and there right. wasn't a whole lot of choice to be had. And so um, we were also, of course, I was also being directed by my dad what to watch because I wasn't allowed to watch just anything. And there were certain things that he thought that I should, I should know about. And a lot of those were films that, that he loved and that he enjoyed. Um, and I remember they used to break the movies up into parts because it would be two parts. So they'd almost serialize a longer movie, something like South Pacific would be in two parts. So it would be from four to five, one afternoon and four to five, the next. So a lot of things I saw, I saw in a serial way, even if that wasn't the intention. Sure. But yeah. that availability isn't there anymore. It's true. And it's funny though, cause you, you would think now in modern times with so many avenues and so many venues mm -hmm. and, um, all the media that's available and all the methods to distribute this media, um, you'd think it would be easier, but there's just so much out there. You know, Shanti and I, you, you, we were talking about how much there is to watch um, and you just can't keep up. Like stuff just keeps getting bombarded, you know, uh, at us. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's just not enough time to, to watch on it. And then sometimes, you know, Melanie, you, you, you just said there were only three channels. Sometimes, you know, is, is that um, is that preferable? Because obviously you're going to watch you're going to watch a lot more because there's less to watch. I, I don't know if that makes sense, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, you know, I would love to have 
um, more people really invested in, you know, finding out um, what it was like back then, because I think some of the stuff is really interesting. And like we mentioned, you know, the stories are, are fascinating. They're more concise. And I think they're written a little better because they have, uh, I don't know, there's more, there's more substance there. Absolutely, I think. That's why I'm such a dork and that the Carousel of Progress is my favorite ride at Magic Kingdom because it, it <laughs> yeah. takes you from that time of like the 1910s and then into the future and you get to see how people lived back then. And it was just, it's such a simple ride, but I, I love seeing that, that progress and the simplicity of, you know, of, of those decades, which is something that, you know, I wish we could go back to. Yeah. I mean, figure Melanie and I were just talking the other day that we're worried about this whole HBO Max thing that's going on now because we're worried that they're going to take away the TCM hub. (laughs) Don't take our hub away. (laughs) Please don't take that away from me. I can't deal. Let's talk a little bit about story because I wanted to mention some of the core elements of serials. And, you know, over the decades, um, it had changed. Um, but you think about serials, um, and for me, obviously, the biggest thing is because it's so inspired by, um, you know, Indiana Jones and stuff like that, or the inspiration from Indiana Jones goes to that. You know, I always think about adventures, um, you know, Flash Gordon, like you mentioned, uh, all that stuff. And it, do, like I said, it does change throughout the decades. Uh, later on, we get into serials that are more or less comedic. Um, so all the genres kind of get mixed in there. You have a slew of, uh, movies, um, that are branded, um, you know, uh, Blondie, there's a character named Blondie who, um, I used to watch religiously, but I'd never realized that the show was Blondie and then whatever the title was, because I was always fascinated by Blondie's bumbling husband, um, Dagwood Bumstead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you know, comic book character. I think either before or after. I used to read a but, lot of comic strips yeah, as a kid. <laughs> exactly, but you know, one of the things that serials really, you know, started out. There's obviously great adventure um, because they were. I think they were, you know, created for for a young audience, and they wanted to inspire adventure exploration. Um, but I think that adventure was probably at the core of these programs because you wanted to engage an audience. Um, but what are some of the other things that, that we enjoy about serials, whether it's, you know, early on or, or later, um, Melanie? It's really, it's the action starts almost as soon as the, as the chapter starts. I mean, you barely get introduced to people and they're like getting dragged by a truck or falling out of a plane or, or a know, star destroyer goes horn. overhead. Exactly. Exactly. Right. I was rewatching the first chapter of Flash Gordon and I mean, you barely get introduced to him on the plane and you barely see Dale and the plane's going down and they're jumping out of, an, uh, of the plane with a single parachute. And I mean, and it's all within the first five minutes. Right. You know, and there's barely an introduction and then, but you're invested from the start. Mm -hmm. But, but that's the, the, the nature of that really good storytelling is that you're pulled right in. And that's what Lucas and Spielberg were able to capture in their films because they loved those films so much because they were making the movies they wanted to see. 
you know, Brad and I, um, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about uh, the legacy of bad guys. Uh, one of the things that um, that we love about the serials is that it definitely had a, um, a specific um, formula when it came to the antagonist and the protagonist. You know, you knew exactly who the bad guy was and, you know, you knew exactly, you know, who the, the good guy was. Um, there was uh, a definite line. Um, there was no blurring of, of the two characters. And I think, um, you know, nowadays, you know, I guess you can go back and listen to that. But nowadays you get kind of a blurring of the line. You get uh, bad guys that are uh, presented as misunderstood characters. Um, they just needed a hug, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, Mr. Backstory. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it's funny, though, because, uh, you know. I think, um, you know, Brad said it in the last episode, uh, I think a lot of writers have uh, a problem nowadays writing a good uh, bad guy. Um, mm-hmm. But as we mentioned in, in that episode, it's, uh, you know, there's one writer, I think it was Dan Brown that I mentioned that said that you should, uh, you know, if you're writing a story, you should really write and start with the bad guy because um, he's going to be the skeleton or the the narrative piece that brings everything together, all the motivation for your antagonist. So that's uh, that's always interesting. Um, you know, the stakes were always high in these serials. Um, we talk about Flash Gordon. You've had to, you know he had to save the universe, the galaxy. Um, Dick Tracy was fighting you know bad guys in 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 those shows. You got Batman and Robin. Um, you got aliens and war of the worlds, of course, obviously. So the stakes are high, um, you know, and these shows definitely had fans. I mean, even nowadays, again, I think I would challenge anybody to go and find a, uh, an old radio drama and, and say that they don't like it. You know what I mean? Cause they I'm sure are, I love it. yeah, I'm sure I would. They're, yeah. you know, they're really well, cool. They, they're intriguing. They went back to it for star Wars. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And, and it worked. Into our, yeah, it taps into our basic human primal, you know, emotion of we love adventure. We're curious, you know. I mean, again, speaking from the younger generation, I was just thinking like a movie like National Treasure, you know, that easily could be converted into a serial. You sure. know, I would mm-hmm. love something like that because it's adventurous and it gives you that feeling of oh yeah what if i would totally want to go on an adventure with indiana jones that's why i love those movies because it's Mm -hmm. more of that oh yeah that'd be so cool what if you could do something like that you want to be along for that ride we love that adrenaline rush and uh as melanie mentioned uh you know you're with these stories, you're just, you're, you're jumping in, um, in the point of the story where, you know, it's like a roller coaster. You're, you're jumping in and there's no getting off until you're at the end. So you're in it for the long haul, um, which I think, you know, is part of why they were so successful. Um, Melanie, you mentioned it. I mean, that you're, you're invested in the story. You're, you're in it for the long run. So it's, well, yeah, and the studios found out pretty quickly that people were coming for the entire program, which was a really long program, you know, of cartoons and shorts and newsreels and features and all that. 
But what they were coming back for were the chapters of the serials. And, uh, you know, I was going to ask you guys, why do you think these types of shows were so popular? But I think, uh, you know, Shanti, you, you talked about adventure. I want to be on an adventure with uh, with these characters. Um, so that's, uh, that's really cool. The sound effects, you know, obviously. You know, there's some old footage of, uh, of people in the audience, um, you know, watching these uh, performers do their thing. And well, and if, I, if, I, if I might mention my dad again, because this is he was he was in the theater when these things were going on. And so because it was the time it was, you know, nobody was really watching him and he would wander into town to the movies. And wow. just walk in when he was four or five years old and stay all day. And so they knew if they couldn't find him readily where he was, <laughs> he was in town because he was a small town. Yeah. He was in town at the movies with his feet up Very nice. and he yeah. would stay and watch everything over and over and over oh, because he couldn't get up. I know it's, hor- it's horrifying now. <laughs> He's in his office in the movie theater. <laughs> I know this, um, we're probably going to talk another hour about um, the next topic. I want to get Melanie's take on some of the actors that uh, are part of the serial. And I, you know, there are a few very well-known actors that, um, that were appearing in these movies. Um, We have Buster Crab, who I found out, um, I was like looking, I'm like, who was Flash Gordon? And then who was Buck Rogers? And I'm like, oh my God, like Buster Crab was everybody. <laughs> and then he was on the TV show. They had him on the TV show. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. And they, the, and his character's last name was Gordon. Yeah. On the show. It was cool. It was really cool. It was very cool. I totally forgot. Um, and, and we're talking about the Buck Rogers show from the 80s starring Gil mm-hmm. Gerard. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's almost like, uh, it's almost as special as having, uh, Fred Astaire on Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. And Lou Ayers <laughs> was on Battlestar Galactica too. He was in a lot of these. Lou Ayers. He was great. Just so, um, I know. Uh, absolutely. Um, yeah, let's talk about the actors. Who, uh, who else, uh, uh do, do well, we recognize? You, you mentioned Batman and Robin, which was 1949 and Robert Lowry was Batman. John Duncan was Robin, but commissioner Gordon was played by Lyle Talbot, who was a really, he was a really prolific leading man in the 1930s. He was in a lot of pre-codes, um, with Barbara Stanwyck and John Blondell. And he was, he was, you know, really sort of a debonair leading man. And then he was in this serial. So it wasn't like this was some kind of little throwaway thing. Um, and in the original Superman, which was 1948, Kirk Allen was Superman, but Noelle Neal was Lois Lane. So she was on the adventures of Superman with George Reeves, but she was the first Lois Lane. Oh. As well. And Tommy nice. Bond, who was the, the bully from our gang, he was Jimmy Olsen. Okay. Which is a really weird turn to take. <laughs> <laughs> he should be roughing people up. What's he doing? Right? That's too funny. She Miss Lane. <laughs> <laughs> so those two were really good. But the Batman and Robin was really interesting to look at because there's a lot of setups that look not unlike Batman 66 
that Commissioner Gordon's office is set up in sort of the same way and some of the shots are set up in the same way. Um, so that was kind of like, oh, their costumes are goofy as hell. So when you, <laughs> when you look at it, Batman's outfit doesn't fit. Robin doesn't look terrible, but I mean, he looks sort of vaguely birdish and, um, but it's, it's not what you get past that. It's not, it's not bad. There's <laughs> an old black and white picture of Batman and Robin. Um, that is, uh, goofy as hell. And it's, uh, <laughs> the mask doesn't fit and yeah. the, the ears are, are a Huge. little too high and, mm-hmm. and f- almost fluffy in nature. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, God, it's, I need to see I this. Yeah, you definitely oh, yeah. do. But he, he cuts a fine figure as Bruce Wayne. They gave him some nice suits, but they just did not know what to do with the Batman suit. <laughs> Which that oh. sort of still has a history because, you know, I Batfleck. guess, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't I'm a good looking costume. at pictures right now. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Latex Amazing. nipples. like. Please, no. No. Not no. necessary. Not necessary. Wow. It is funny how um, the bat suit is just people don't know what to do with it. I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. It's always a complication. All right, time for the big thank yous, podcast family, to those of you who open up your hearts and support the Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast. Team Scarif gives you all a heartfelt thank you to some wonderful people who listen and interact with the show as patrons. We're super lucky to have you. Folks like 97 Bravo from the Convergence Podcast and our head gamer at Red 5 Gaming. Big thank you. Backyard TARDIS, our friend Nicholas Schaefer, a huge supporter of the Red 5 Network. Go support his channel. Look for Backyard TARDIS on YouTube. And check out Scott and Kim of the Use and Abuse podcast. Thank you, fellow Red Fivers. Look for them on all the socials. Big thanks to our executor tier patrons. Thanks so much, everyone. Can't forget our other supporters like DJ and Steve from Rogue One Radio. Music, fun, TV, and the occasional shenanigans. Check them out. And we've got Danny from Comics and Cosmetics, a YouTube channel you cannot miss. Go subscribe and thank you, Danny. The Frank from Miami. What's up, Frank? And we got Joey Rosales, longtime patron. Thank you, kind sir. Our very own expert on classic Hollywood and one of our favorite collaborators, Melanie Marquita. Big hugs to you, my friend. Sing Blue Silver, inside joke. And lest we not forget our scuttle buddies like Alex and Chad, Hyperspace and Holocrons. Don't forget Jay from Florida. Huge respect to all our patrons and thanks for your support. And if you also want to help us keep the lights on over here and enjoy our show, head on over to patreon.com slash scuttlebutt. Remember, we can't have the scuttle without the butt. It's always sunny on Scarif with patrons like you. I've got um, a little piece of trivia here, which I should have written down the answer. What was the most expensive cereal ever made back in the early days? And I've been trying to look for it while you guys are talking. I Uh, think it was Flash Gordon. Yeah, I think you're right. 
Figure I think they had is... about three times the budget as a normal cereal. Figure if like this that. is something that isn't like spoken about. I actually did try looking it up right before we started recording. And every time I write in the word cereal, it doesn't give me what I want in the context of what we're talking about. It like, yeah. doesn't understand. That's so nuts to me because I am someone who appreciates the past very much. You know, and another thing that said. We, you know, another thing I found out about Flash Gordon that I didn't know until I started reading a little bit of background was they did something like 85 setups a day. Wow. To finish. Oh yeah. And wow. they were working like all through the night to meet their oh. deadline for the serial. And they worked excruciating amount of hours. And all I Jeez. could think of was 85 setups. I mean, that poor crew. I know. God. It's a lot. And the, equip and the equipment wasn't as uh, slim as, as uh, cameras are no. today. I mean, no. you know, and the they were glues. moving this and they were moving the sets mm -hmm. and they, they weren't moving that. They were moving that with people, not equipment. Right. So it was a lot. I have such a deep appreciation for this because unfortunately, yes, technology is a wonderful thing. It's helped us with a lot, but it's also made us extremely lazy. So I, when I hear <laughs> yeah. things like this, I love, the more of the heart and the physical labor that is put into older projects like this. So that's why yeah. I never find these things to be silly or goofy or corny in any I way. Know, I'm right. just looking yeah. at it like, wow, this is amazing that you did this in 1930, whatever. It's fascinating to me. And the Flash Gordons look so good. It's like you can really see a, a spectrum of quality from the sort of Zoro's Fighting Legion to that. You can tell they were yeah. really spending money. I gotta check these out, you know, because like yeah. I knew Dick Tracy was a serial because, but I only ever watched the Dick Tracy movie with Warren Beatty, but I love that movie. Same thing with you know the Rocketeer, you know. I'm not sure if right. that was ever a serial, but it looks like that most likely was. So, you know, I, I gotta check these out. I think I would really enjoy them. I think you would too. Listen because to them of while your... I'm working. Absolutely. Um, yeah, especially the, uh, the radio dramas. I mean, if you're doing stuff around the house, I think, uh, it is a perfect way to, to kind of, uh, you know, get into, uh, those stories. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I mentioned the shadow, but, uh, what are some of the other radio dramas that they had, you know, even, even some of the horror stuff like the mummy and Dracula mm -hmm. and things like that were, and then were you have radio. Uh, Lux radio theater where they would do radio versions of movies sometimes with the same cast. Mm -hmm. So you'd have movies like uh, uh, like The Perfect Specimen with Errol Flynn and Joan Blondell, and they would go in and do a radio version of it as well. Yeah. So you could see it in two mediums. Very cool. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as with every good thing, everything must come to an end. I think uh, by the early 40s and 50s, um, some of that was, uh, coming to the, to an end. Um, I think one of the biggest complaints that people had back then, uh, is that cereals were becoming stale and boring and expensive. Um, but we had, uh, there were shows titled, uh, radar men from the moon and zombies from the stratosphere. Um, I think, uh, the serials basically kind of ate themselves up with campy, campy and uninspiring storylines and obviously inferior looking, uh, special effects. I think audiences obviously were starting to get a little bit more sophisticated, but things were changing when it came to story, um, 
and uh, and movies and stuff like that. And obviously the introduction of uh, television, which was uh, more popular um, as uh, the uh, medium was uh, was being introduced. Um, so I was reading that around 1956 to 57, um, the final serials from uh, Universal and Columbia were making their their rounds. Uh, they were being released, uh, the, the last two serials of the studios, uh, respectively there, 1956 and 57. Um, but yeah, you know, you started getting into, you know, we talked about, who did we do the show about uh, the movie monsters? I think it was Andy. That was Andy. And um, we were talking about uh, how, you know, basically Laurel, uh, Abbott and, and oh, what the hell's is their names? Uh, Laurel and Hardy. Yeah, cause, Abbott and right. Abbott, Abbott and Costello. Costello. Um, pretty much, you know, when they started doing those movies, uh, you know, the movie monsters started to uh, to feel um, a little on the uh, corny side and nobody wanted mm-hmm. to do any more monster movies, et cetera, et cetera. So that, that started. Um, you know, the, the, the downward spiral of the serials, but, uh, you know, nevertheless, you know, we mentioned that, um, some directors, uh, you know, living in the times and and stuff like that, you had some inspiration. Um, we all know that George Lucas wanted to do, uh, Flash Gordon. Mm -hmm. I think the Flash Gordon people told him no. And, uh, he said, fine, I'll do my own Flash Gordon, which, you know, turned out to be Star Wars, obviously. But there is, uh, you know, Lucas and Spielberg um, are responsible for many an inspiration, not only um, through Star Wars and Indiana Jones, but, you know, I'm watching the ILM documentary on uh, on Disney Plus, which is fascinating. Um, but, uh, you know, the inspiration for Indiana Jones was definitely, um, you know, taken from serials and adventures uh, from back in the day. Um I wrote in the notes that Spielberg, Lucas, and Indiana Jones is a trifecta of perfection. And um, I don't think anybody can argue against that. Um, what do you guys think about the serials and uh, the inspiration for the character of Raiders of the Lost Ark as we know him now? Hot. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, well, I, I got to get that hose back out. <laughs> oh, hey, listen. I mean, it's all even down to the era that it takes place, and it fits in perfectly with the serial motif. It takes place essentially in the 40s, and, you know, and I love it. And again, like I said before, it just taps into that basic human, you know, emotion of curiosity and adventure. So I, I, I love the influence it's just so good. And again, it's it. before you even really know who he is, you're in his you adventure. You're dropped yeah, right you into literally it. Literally start right. You're dropped right into it. And it just right takes it. off and it just, the, it, you know, the foot's on the pedal and it doesn't let up until the end of the movie. Raiders of the Lost Ark has one of the mm-hmm. greatest movie openings, in my opinion. I mean, how can anyone mm-hmm. forget that huge boulder coming, you know, right at you? It's, mm-hmm. yeah, immediately drops you in. 
And, um, you know, I love the introduction of Indiana Jones. You 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 see just shadows and images uh, of him in the background. And then when you finally do get to see him, that camera, you know, pushes in and he comes out of the shadow. And there he is, Indiana Jones in all uh, his glory. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it, it's definitely I, I would love to see somebody's reaction, um, you know, watching some old serials and then, you know, coming back and thinking, wow, that reminded me of Indiana Jones. And I think um, it's uh, it's obviously deliberate. Absolutely. Um, adventure, excitement, a Jedi craves not these things, but we sure know that Indiana Jones definitely does. Uh, you've got uh, adventure aspects of the old series front and center in 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 these uh, in this trilogy or actually not trilogy because it's there's four of them now there's going to be five of them soon yeah. uh the indiana jones movies but um you know back in the day you had tarzan and flash gordon cowboys bad guys damsels in distress and so forth i think today's adventure clings to these major aspects we talk about the aspect of uh the story elements in some of these movies that uh, that are still part of indiana jones but they were definitely part of the serials um of the day um some uh shanti you mentioned uh national treasure and movies uh of nicholas cage uh things like that one of my favorite you know we're talking about star wars and indiana jones but one of my other favorite ones are um the mummy series Mm -hmm. and i really really enjoy um that uh that the the first movie was great um but you know even willow uh, another lucas Mm -hmm. uh you know adventure movie Mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean all well versed in the language of uh serialized storytelling yeah and um i'm hoping to get a lot more of that um as uh as new projects come out i think um you know if we can get back to you know telling a good story with great characters um i think audiences will be um a little more uh, adventurous when it comes to, uh, you know, to finding, finding their love for these movies. And then maybe hopefully, uh, you know, finding, uh, the inspiration to go back and do, uh, their own research. I think that would be awesome. I think that's why I like Mando, the Mandalorian so much because it has that, that feel to it. He's always on some sort of different adventure, you know, in, even though, yes, they all tie in eventually, but still every episode was just a different adventure that he was going on. So that's what I liked. And I did read your notes. Goonies is actually another great example. I love Goonies. I grew up watching that movie and it's the same thing. I love that adventurous aspect and, you know, all those kids being on their own and finding a, you know, a treasure map and trying to figure out the clues. And I mean, how, how would you not want to stumble upon that? And be along for the ride. Well, they really carried the the serial nature to Clone Wars too. Even with the narration, it was very yeah. similar. Yes, oh, absolutely. Oh, that was yeah, one of my. Right. I'm I'm brand new to having watched it. I watched it um, towards the end of last year into this year, and I have told anyone that I've spoken to about that that was my favorite part of the Clone Wars was the beginning. And I would say it sounds like one of those old serials, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what yeah. I loved about it. When I first saw the the very first one, it it jolted me for a bit yes. because I was like, "Wait a minute, what's huh? what's going on?" Right. But uh, you know, it really does you know kind of get you into that uh, that that mood 
Um, yeah. and, and I guess the mode, because you jump into the story, you jump into the adventure and you're right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love that voice actor. He got like the 90, 19, like 30s and 40s yeah. inflection like <laughs> He had a newsreel voice. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I loved it. Absolutely. Him. I loved, I loved everything yeah. about it. What was that guy's name? Ed Hurley? Was that the newsreel guy? Attention, Mr. and Mrs. America and all the ships at sea. <laughs> it be great. I do that voice when I go in an elevator. I press a button. I go, menswear. <laughs> uh, oh, well, I was going to mention cliffhangers, which yes. straight oh, up yeah. did the, 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 all the tropes, including a sci-fi yeah. Western that involved someone falling into the earth and having an alien uh, <laughs> civilization under the ranch it was it was weird i loved it um but th- it just didn't work because it was opposite happy days in laverne and shirley so it didn't have a chance but i loved that <laughs> show and i went to watch it again on youtube and it is crazy huh. it's crazy I don't remember that. 70s yeah it was uh there was a mystery which was stop susan williams there was mm-hmm. the sci-fi western which was the secret empire which was actually based on a gene autry serial and a horror which was the curse of dracula that was my favorite because michael nori was dracula and he was a college professor and the college students were trying to prove that he was dracula and get rid of him oh. yeah <clears throat> that was my favorite but it was it was fun and you got in your notes was created by ken johnson yes oh i didn't know that mm-hmm Nice. And they were hoping one of the three would catch on, and that's the one that was going to be the series, but none of it did. Wow. So, but I loved it. But I was watching all those niche niche shows like Cork, you know, when I was 12. That was me (laughs) watching Richard Benjamin in a sci-fi comedy. But (laughs) I think you're cool as hell, okay? (laughs) I'm being serious. You're like my spirit I mean, animal. Like, that's why I was so excited to do this episode with you. But hey, so Buck funny. Henry wrote Quark. It was going to be good. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. It was great. Too funny. By the way, sweet and or banner behind you, Melanie. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I like that. I got that for free. Oh, nice. <laughs> Score. Very yeah. nice. From Movie Rewards. Disney Movie Rewards. Just in time to raise your subscription this December. Right. <laughs> we'll give you a poster, but we want it back. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> now, see, it'll be interesting to see if Andor follows a serial type of uh, sure thing too, I since it's like a spy that. thriller. And I could see, it, yeah, yeah, I could see it working mm-hmm. in that format. See if we drop right. right into a to uh, an adventure right away. Adventure, I think we will. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I think Star Wars does that, and uh, I don't see any reason for Andor not to do that. Mm-hmm. Should be a lot of fun, and uh, definitely we'll we will have you on Scarif Live so we can break down that first Scarif Live is going to be rough because if they're uh, unloading three episodes at once. That's going to be a long stream for us. It is. You might have to serialize. Scarif live. <laughs> there you go. There, there you go. go. 
Very nice. Magic Very word. nice. <laughs> That's why we love having you on. Very clever. <laughs> Excellent. I know Shanti has uh, a date with mom and a funny alien, so we will uh, start wrapping up. But uh, any final thoughts on cereals and uh, the inspiration? Um, I I think uh, we had uh, such a really great discussion. Shanti, I I hope you were educated. Did you learn something? I I did, and honestly, it really does make me wish for a more simpler time and especially now living with my parents again and watching more classic shows that I didn't watch like Andy Griffith and stuff like that I was like man I wish we could yeah. go back in time <laughs> like, things were just easier <laughs> so no this was wonderful I again I, I love the whole idea of actually using your brain and coming up with your own backdrop and your own scenery like like Melanie said a theater of the mind I think that's a great way to sum up a serial so and I'm definitely going to check out some of these on YouTube. Yeah, absolutely. Like you should. Very nice. Melanie, thank you so much for joining us sure. tonight. Like I said, we were racking our brains to try and figure out mm-hmm. how we can get you back on. How can we reel you back into the Scarif podcast? And uh, thank you again for, for Anytime. being available. We love having you on. You. Sure. I have so much fun. And I've got one more recommendation for you. Hit it. Secret of the Incas from 1954. Oh, I've heard of that one. Yeah. Charlton Heston. And it was the style template for Indiana Jones. And when you watch it, you'll see it. The fedora, the jacket. Yeah. Yeah. And the five o'clock shadow. It's all there. Very nice. Cool. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it was last time I checked, it was on YouTube. Oh, okay, cool. Perfect. Excellent. Mm-hmm. We will have all of this, uh, everything that we talked about, we'll have that in the show notes uh, on uh, on the podcast. So if you're interested in any of the things, uh, any of the shows that we, uh, that we mentioned tonight, just check the notes and they'll be there. Excellent. Shanti doesn't check notes. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Shanti, where can folks find you if they want to say hello? You can say hello to me on my personal Twitter account at SelenaKyle29. And you can also find me on my alter ego, Scarif After Dark, (laughs) Twitter as well. And it is coming back this Saturday at 930. So I'm looking forward to that. Excellent. Sexy on Saturday. (laughs) And I think you've already gone sexy because this show probably will air in two weeks. So you've already, you're gone past sexy. (laughs) excellent and melanie where can folks find you to say hello oh i'm mostly live on twitter at melanie marquita you can see lots of classic hollywood stuff and nerdy stuff (laughs) it's my thing (laughs) excellent twitter is one of my favorites i'm being dead serious no it is it is Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. If you just found us, then uh, we say thank you. Uh, Check out the rest of the 
shows that we have on our back catalog. Check out Scarif Podcast wherever you get your other favorite podcasts. But we are part of the Red 5 Network. Check out the rest of the Red 5 family. We've got a whole slew of people that uh, create content both on radio for your mind and uh, video the YouTubes for your brain. So check us out at red 5 the number 5.network.com. I don't know where we're at. red5network.com and bio.link/red5. They all point to the same thing so you won't uh, you won't get steered wrong. Thank you so much everybody. We'll check you guys out next time. Shanti, close us out, baby. And that's the scuttlebutt. <laughs> listener just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the red five network family red five network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love so the next time you're itching for quality content make sure you head over to red five network.com you'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more all wings report in it's the red five network <laughs>